0: So we have Nate Tanner with us today. Show Nate a little bit of love as he comes up here. And uh, we, we thought we would just kind of, well, I thought we would just have a little bit more of a conversation because it's, it's interesting to me when he gets going, yeah, just just hold it in. It'll, yep. Um, when, when he gets going and talking about all that he's doing and, and um, you know, there's just so many questions always pop up. So I, I do want to open it. Um, but now Bob, this isn't completely open floor, but i <laughs> just just teasing a little bit. Uh, but if you do have questions along the way, maybe raise your hand and, and, and we'll try to fit them in because it de- you know, what he starts talking about, it just sparks, you, just makes you think about what the details are and how some of these kinds of things happen. So Nate Tanner is a good friend. Um, we met he and his wife, Ruth, uh, recently, What well, recently, about four years ago, we've known of each other's ministry for a long time. Uh, mutual connections through uh, Jim Richards. In fact, he's he's co-authoring a book with Jim called Foundations of the Faith. It's based on one of Jim's, really, courses that he's had. I mean, that course is probably 40 years old, maybe, yeah, that he's used for training. And it's so great. It's based on Hebrews 6. And then there's six different foundations of the faith that are outlined there. And it's great because people come into this, the understanding of the finished work, uh, message and the actual gospel, what it is, but it takes time to go through and frame all the major foundational doctrines from that finished work perspective. I told him, I said, get it done, make, make it a workbook. Cause we, how many of you would want to go through that course? Yeah. We've used it here. We actually haven't used it in a while. We used to, we used to do it at least annually and you know, we'll probably do it again soon, but, um, yeah. Get it done, I would say. (laughs) But so you have L3 Ministries. Yep. Is that the actual name of it?
1: Yeah. So my wife and I um, grew up in missions ever since our teen years. And about 13 years ago, we started an organization called L3 International. And L3 stands for the least, the lost, and the last. And so we really felt that God was calling us to engage the overlooked areas of the world versus the places where others were already going.
0: Sh- share that vision, just the um, the harvest and the leftovers that picture,
1: yeah, so how many of you here have been on a mission trip before? now it just opens your eyes to the bigger picture of the world, doesn 't it and um, you know we we'd traveled all over the world, but we always had a real passion for places that no one else was going. And so after a number of years, probably 15 years in missions, we just felt a stirring that it was now time to, to step out. And one of the, the, one of the pictures or the visions that God gave my wife was she had a. I I shared this last night with Forward Northwest. We had a great time up oh, yeah, there with yeah, the, he, he got Courtney. Uh, Courtney picked him up last night from the airport. So you got to go up there and minister up yeah, there. Had a great time. But anyway, she, she, was, she was sleeping one night and she had this vision. It was the global harvest of the world. And uh, as, she, as she was seeing this, she saw the harvest field, and it was like a fresh-cut field of wheat. And the workers were carrying these beautiful sheaves of the harvest of grain, and they were rejoicing that the harvest was done, that Jesus could now return because uh, we'd done our parts. And as she looked a little bit farther, she felt God say, Uh, look farther, look to the corners. And as she looked to the corners of the the field, of the harvest field, she saw the overlooked sections of of harvest. And they were bent over, they were broken, they had been ignored. They were the ones that uh, people wanted the, they wanted the cities, they wanted the big harvest. And she felt that God said, those ones, the overlooked, the forgotten ones, the other ones that people don't want to go to, that's where I'm calling you guys to go to for your ministry. And so that really, that was one of the significant words that God gave us uh, for our, our target, which is the least lost and last. And, and you guys are doing that really
0: tremendously. So let's talk about the Zambia fruit, because you've, you've traveled for years. You started out as a skateboarder yeah. with YWAM. Any YWAM. Anybody know what YWAM is? Ever had any, yeah. And what, so have you ever landed a McTwist? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> You've been watching too many Tony Hawk video games. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's, that's old school. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, so Zambia, you very much are, are reaching those people. So just yep. tell us a, a, an update, and uh, let's see, we've got some yeah, slides I, here. Let me.
1: Yeah, perfect. <clears throat> yes, how many of you guys know where the nation of Zambia is? Yeah. Now, 13 years ago, I really didn't know what Zambia was. I knew it was a country in Central Africa. But through a series of, of events, I actually met a pastor in Kenya, young pastor who took, this was 2010, he took a three-day bus ride to the nation of, of Kenya from Zambia to be a part of this conference that we were doing. And we immediately just, just hit it off. This guy, a lot of the pastors there, they were just wanting their American connection. They were wanting their partnerships with America. But this guy was so hungry for the gospel, and the gospel that you guys preach and teach here in Movement, the Good News. And he... Yeah, for I'm sorry. I was just... Yeah. I've been traveling. To give you guys an idea, I've been twice already in Africa this year and getting ready to go back again. But anyway, forward, preaching the gospel. But uh, Zambia, he invited us to come to this nation of Zambia, and this was back in 2011. And so me and a couple other guys with tents and backpacks, we went out into the bush of Zambia, and we started doing these little leadership trainings and little villages crusades in this nation. And so here's a a few of the details about the nation of Zambia. It's a rather small country. Uh, There's presently about 20 million people in the nation. 65% of them are under the age of 25, so it's a very young population and a lot of that has to do from um, the AIDS epidemics, just uh, di- different diseases, and so people die very early. So we're actually starting to re-evangelize a lot of the folks that, uh, that have been born since we started working in the nation. It's made up of 10 provinces, and there's, uh, I believe it's actually 74 tribal groups in the nation of Zambia, and it's 56 towns. So 13 years ago, I didn't know, I didn't know Zambia from from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, (laughs) but uh, God has given us a heart and he's given us this nation to reach with the gospel and to disciple.
0: So you start going to Zambia. I mean, that's an interesting statistic. 65% are under 25 years old. And you just, you think about it, that, that is a huge portion of the population that are that, so you, so when you're there, it just looks like a bunch of young people pretty much.
1: I mean, there are, there are there are older folks, but yeah. they're few and in, in far between.
0: Interesting, interesting. So, so you go over there, you start ministering, and then this uh, door to go into the prisons opens up. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. So, how many guys know that you got to be faithful with the little things that God gives you? I mean, folks look at what we're doing and and we're reaching multitudes with the gospel, and they say, you know, Nate, I want a platform like that. You you know, you're preaching in front of thousands, but they don't realize that before I started doing this stuff, I was setting up stages for other ministries. I was driving trucks and then even in Zambia we started by going to the, the least reached villages of the nation. And when you're faithful with the little things, Jesus said he'll open the door to greater things. And so we for years, we did very successful Crusades and planted Bible schools, but it was on a much smaller scale and we were actually working in the very northern part of the country. if you look on the map, up near the border of Tanzania, that's where we started working. Now most of the population centers are down centrally located, but we were just content working up there, started an orphanage, built a school, Uh, started doing church planting, and then out of the blue two years ago, so this is over a decade of working in the nation um, on a much smaller scale, uh, out of the blue two years ago, I was at home, Kansas City, and a guy called me up who I knew by name, but I'd never met him, and he's a missionary to Zambia, and he said, Nate, I'm in Kansas City, can you meet for breakfast? So I said, all right, let's do this, and I sat down with him, and he says, he begins to tell me about the invitation, the connections he has in the Zambian prison system. And he said that he had made friends with the chaplain general. So Zambia, it's, uh, it has a military structure in the prison, so they're run by the military. They also are, they call themselves a Christian nation, and so they have a reverence for God. Even though a lot of Christianity is mixed with with witchcraft and spiritism and animism, uh, they still have a reverence for God. So they have a chaplaincy that is made up of uh, military officers who also are seminary students or graduates that are working in the prisons. And he had a connection with the chaplain general who is over the military spirituality of the prisons. And this man, this chaplain general, he said, as long as I'm in this position of government, I want to make sure that the gospel is preached in every prison across the nation. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. And so this missionary said, I've got this open door. Is this something your ministry would consider taking on? And I said, let me fast for 40 days, and then I'll get back with you. (laughs) No, actually, I said, yeah, let me pray about that, discuss it with my wife. And how many guys know you want to discuss things with your wife first? That's a good idea. Yeah, amen. And uh, my, my wife, I actually called her, and she said, of course. Why didn't you tell him yes? So I called him right back when I was still driving home and said, we're in. And so two months later, we started working in the Zambian prison system. And this is one of those things that wasn't on our radar, we weren't thinking, we weren't even praying God give us a prison ministry, but God opened up the system which is 59 prisons scattered across this nation there. There's about uh, 50, I wanna say, uh, excuse me, 23,000 inmates that are in prison at the moment. Um, That's just the male, there's several thousand female as well. And so we just started to preach the gospel in the prisons. So this is only 2 years old, but during the last 2 years we've preached now in 29 prisons and we've seen roughly 15, 16,000 inmates come to know Jesus Christ. Wow. Praise God, man. Yeah.
0: Show sure God some love for that. That's amazing. That's that's a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> And, you know, we, I, we so believe in this work that, that we sew into that. So this, you know, this church loves getting behind that type of work. We put a lot into missions and looking forward to more and, and you take people as well. Yeah. Yep. You, and, and if you, if you tap on that, it'll, it'll display it. If you wanted to change anything there along the way. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I lost something. Uh oh.
0: Inter- did our internet go out? Yep. Okay. Okay. So you'll have to just tell them which, do you know what slides you have?
1: Um, yeah, they were pulled up just a minute I ago. I know,
0: but when the internet goes out, it this loses signal, unfortunately. Anyway, yeah, if, um, you, if you just tell them which one you want up next. Yeah,
1: there was one that that was in the prisons. It had a bunch of military folks. No, not that one. We can talk about that. Um, yeah, scroll down. No, I think it was the one of the last ones. This one right here. And you know, we're sharing about the things that. God's doing, but I want everyone to know that I started out as a punk skateboarder in the mountains of Montana that uh, had a real rebellious edge about him, but had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so God will take you where you're at and he will use you. Amen. Amen. And so you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have your life in order. You just got to say yes to Jesus. So just, just quickly, um, some of the, the slides here, the one up there in the corner And I could go on and on about what God's doing in the prison system, but the one of us up there with the officers up in the corner there, what's been amazing is those are the prison chaplains. They're all military officers, and they're also chaplains, and they represent every prison in Zambia. We've got chaplains who are Catholics, some that are Anglican, some that are Pentecostal, so it is a wide range. But the chaplain general, he said, after our first trip where he heard the real message of the gospel not a religious version right but the message of the goodness of god he said this is the message that my chaplains need to be teaching and preaching in this in the prisons good for him and so he actually said can you train our chaplaincy and so yeah this is huge We just, on this last trip, we did our second chaplain training. And what these are, these are weekend-long retreats that our ministry sponsors, and they bring every chaplain, military chaplain, from the nation to a campground of sorts or a hotel, and we get to pour into them the the gospel of grace and peace. So we've been able to give them uh, several of Dr. Jim Richards' books, Andrew Womack's discipleship evangelism books, and they are beginning to make that shift from... Legalism and religion into freedom, and they're not only it 's working in their hearts but they're starting to teach the other chaplains and So what you see that was that was a graduation we held for the chaplains on our first school. Um, another one down there is is just an open air prison crusade that we did in one of these pr- prisons uh, last year and then down there in the corner, what that one is right there, that is a prison Bible school. Wow. Can, can you imagine actually? Taking these inmates through a year-long Bible school in prison. And so a lot of the material is from Clint Byers. They're actually going through his Colossians Ephesians course, Dr. Jim Richards, Andrew Womack, myself, and several others. But that's one of the small ones there. And most of those inmates that you see in that, that bottom corner picture, those guys are serving life sentences. The guys in white towards the front are actually death row inmates. Now, Zambia, as of a year ago, still had death by hanging as their, their, uh, their, their death row mode. And so those are men that had a death sentence over their heads, and they got radically saved. And a lot of them said, I want to be trained in ministry. Now, some of these guys, and I heard them, I heard them directly, they said, I know I'm never going to get out of this place, but I want to pastor the other young men that are coming into this place.
0: Wow. I mean, what a... <laughs> praise God, my goodness, what an impact for these yeah. young guys that find themselves in this kind of situation, and here's somebody that's so confident and secure in what they know about the gospel, know yeah. their future on this planet, and that's what they want to do. What a great testimony that that is. So what kinds of responses are you seeing? I mean, obviously, salvations, miracles, but Maybe just kind of talk about some of the responses, some of the details about the people that you've encountered, some of the stories that you're hearing, some of the fruits that you're seeing, the miracles. Yeah, We all know it's easier to get miracles on the mission field, unfortunately. I don't know why that is. Maybe if we got time, we'll talk about that. (laughs) But miracles should still be happening today.
1: They are still happening. Yeah. Yep. Well... So we'll go into these prisons, and we've been in some that there was 3,000 inmates, and then just on this last trip, we actually stopped in at one, and there was 28 inmates out under this tree in this remote village. And so we'll go to places that—we'll go to the cities, but we'll also go to these remote areas. But I wish you could see just the gratefulness. Um, The places we go, no one goes to preach the gospel like this, and those are the ones we target— and so the response of the inmates is amazing. I remember in one of the prisons, I, we were receiving testimonies after, after the altar call, the response, and there was a man that came up and he started to say, he said, um, he said, you know what, I was falsely accused, I should not here. And I immediately thought, yeah, that's what everyone else in this place is saying. And uh, and he said, but I was so bitter. I was so angry at those that put me here that uh, I, I just was rejecting everything that God had for me. And he said, you know, I know that I'm here for a reason. And you know, he still had a little bit of that fatalistic, you know, he believed God put him there so he could receive the gospel, but hey, he received Jesus. And so he just began to share with this whole group how God changed his life, how he gave his life to Jesus this day, how he was able to release forgiveness. And then the next guy comes up and he said, "I deserve to be here. There, uh, you know, er everything I'm getting, it's because of what I did." And I was so angry. When I was going to be released, I was making plans about how I was going to murder those that, that put me here. But he said, today I'm able to release forgiveness. I've received freedom. So there's, there's so many incredible testimonies in, uh, in the maximum security prison in Zambia. And this was just this past February when my wife and I were there. We actually went around and visited some of the Bible schools that we have going because we wanted to, to see them up in operation. And we we're just sitting in the back, just kind of listening to some of the testimonies. And this, uh, this nice, handsome young guy in his 20s got up, he was one of the Bible school students, and he began to share about the transformation that the material was, was doing in his life and uh, he started to go into how he had given his life to Jesus several times in prison through the, the chaplaincy, but every time it was like he would fall back into those same thought patterns, um, you know, those, those same actions, and we don't know anything about that, right? <laughs> He's like, he couldn't get it to work in his life, and, and he started to tell us that The material he was learning about the good news of the gospel, that is what was making all the difference in his life. And he was finally able to actually live the kind of life that he desired to live. And, uh, you know, he he sat down and another guy came up and started to share his story. We heard this, that first young man's story uh, later on. That, That man was a police officer and he found out his wife was cheating on him. So he went to his precinct, checked out a gun, checked out of ammunition, went to his house, shot his wife, killed her, went to his wife's best friend's house, shot her, killed her, went to her mom and dad's house, killed both of them. By the time he was done with this demonic rage, he had killed six people, and then he went and turned himself in. He was serving uh, not only a life sentence, but a death, death sentence, and he encountered Jesus Christ in the prison, and now he's becoming a minister. Only God can do that. Yeah.
0: And that, that's just so challenging. Um, I'm glad that God is God. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not so sure we'd be so merciful, you know. <laughs> well, we didn't <laughs> know the story. We
1: were just thinking, hey, this is a nice-looking young guy. You know, I wonder what his story is. And uh, you would have never known that this guy had committed those things.
0: Yeah, it just, it just makes me think, too, because I'm, I'm just always thinking about us mobilizing us as kingdom carriers, looking for those opportunities, because you just never really know you know, so, I mean, so what if, because I'm sure God was knocking on the door of someone's heart involved in his life in some way Yeah. that, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, uh, God's aware God will try to stop that situation. God, God is trying to move on people's hearts and, and he, he, especially his heart first, he pushed through that, ignored God. Yeah. But I just think about, you know, there, there are so many times where we get these little prompts that we ignore. And I, I know that's kind of a heavy scenario to think about, but it, it's true. You know, God, there's, there's amazing things that God can do through us and our willingness. So, you know, I just think about the work that you're doing. And like you said, it's, it's easy to kind of look at what you're doing and, and say, well, that's, I would love a platform like that. You did work in there for a decade yeah. before you know some of these bigger opportunities. You've worked. How many different nations have you done uh, ministry in?
1: We've been working in. Well, we've worked in thirty-six nations wow. over the last twenty-five years, and many of those places we've been, well, you know, a dozen times or more, and just wow. have been back repeatedly. And
0: you just travel all the time.
1: We, Not try, all to, the time, we try
0: to connect, and he's just always gone. It seems like. But anyway, so <laughs> so to somebody that's sitting here thinking, that's you. I've got my life. Uh, I'll never do that. Really the principles are the same in yeah. terms of whether it be, you know, like what Janet's talking about, volunteering some time locally or even just presence of mind with your friends and family. You know, what are what are some of the principles that you personally feel like is important that you've learned about yourself or about ministry, about, you know, sticking to an idea maybe when the time when the when the going gets rough and yeah. it's not so easy. You know, in in the beginning for you what was it that was on your heart that you stuck to. What are what are some of the things that you've learned along the way that that kept you focused and on track, and and you know just um what how, what what is it that helped you have clarity and vision? How, how did you know that, or or you know that maybe just describing the commitment of this is this is what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, f- for me, I think it started with a. A just a clear cut commitment to follow Jesus, um, and I shared about a little bit of this last night. When I gave my life to the Lord, and you know, in all honesty, I was probably born again because I gave my life to the Lord when I was a, a very young child, and just really walked away. But there was a night in December of 1996 where I stood in the back of a gathering of young people with my arms crossed, thinking about how I can get out of the door because these guys intimidated me, but the, at the same time they intrigued me because they had something that I was, I was desperate for. And there, there was that night in 1996 where I stood up, and I don't think there was any altar call or anything given, but just in my own heart I stood up and I said, God, I'm all in. God, I'm going to hold nothing back. I will follow you no matter what the cost. I'm not going to play religious games. I'd seen religious games, but God, I'm all in. If you'll take me, I'll follow you. And so for me, it started with that clear-cut commitment to follow Jesus as my Lord. And I think that's one of the things that is definitely lacking in a lot of churches this day, this day and age. And sometimes it's taught in such a legalistic bondage way where it just leads, leaves people in, under a weight of condemnation. But for me, it started with that commitment to follow Jesus. And then if Jesus, you're my Lord, then I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to apply it to my life. And when you make that kind of commitment, God will begin to open doors that you just begin to step through. And so for me, I wasn't, I didn't have a seminary degree or anything like that, but I had a skateboard. (laughs) And so God, uh, how can I use this for your glory? How can I use this to help people discover how good you are? And so an opportunity came to start, and I was pretty good at skateboarding, so an opportunity came to start doing demos across the United States, and they were evangelistic in nature. So we would set up ramps and we would preach the gospel. And so before I was ever given a platform or a microphone, I was skateboarding. And then the opportunity came to share my testimony. So I took that opportunity. And then uh, a few months later, an opportunity came to preach the gospel. And so I took that opportunity. First time I preached the gospel, no one came forward. I gave an altar call and it was about a thousand young people and not one person came forward to give their lives to Jesus. And a lot of us would have just Thrown, it, thrown in and say, well, I'm not called to preach the gospel, I'll just, I'll remain in the background. But I, I took the next opportunity. And so I, I think the principle of being faithful with a God, what God puts in your hands and then having the tenacity to not, not give up when things don't, don't go your way. And so we're in, you know, my wife and I, were coming up on 21 years married and we've been in ministry that whole time and we were in ministry before that. Um, just not, not giving up, not stopping. And uh, doing it for the right reasons, because there's a lot of people that do ministry for the wrong reasons and sacrifice family on the sake of ministry. So doing things for the right reasons, but at the same time, um, being willing just to stay true to what God's called you to do, even though stuff's not working out at the same time. Yeah. I've got a question
0: and kind of a topic I want to go into that will lead us into a little bit of ministry time, okay. you know, just for the people that were, maybe your hearts are stirred a little bit as faith rising up on the inside of you. You don't really know it exactly. I, I So when you said you you just made the decision to be all in, God will follow you, how much of uh, the next steps did you know in that moment?
1: Oh, I knew absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, I was a teenager. All my friends were smoking weed and... Praise God, skateboarding was actually the only thing that kept me out of drugs because I saw what it did to my friends. But there was no, there was no agenda. It was just, God, I'm going to follow you, and then the next thing started to happen. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Anybody have any questions so far about Zambia, the work over there, anything, <coughs> or just ministry in general? Yeah. Let me. I'm actually going to go with the microphone. You don't have to follow me. But I'll just go with this. You can just keep it on him. And I'll I'll walk around just so we can hear the questions. I was just wondering, do you mainly go to Africa or is it other continents as well?
1: Um, We've we've been all over. We've been on every continent except for Antarctica, Um, 36 nations. Right now, we have a very strong focus in Africa. And again, it goes back to we want to faithfully steward what God's called us to do. A lot of ministries will just go to a place, touch that nation, take a few pictures, and come back to America. That's not what we do. So we're, we've really tried to invest in the leadership. And our organization, we have actually two organizations that we've started in Zambia. They're all led by Zambians. So we, we try not to do that, The the Western model, colonization model, where we're as the Americans trying to control everything. We have a great team of Zambians and Tanzanians that, that run everything. But so answer the question, we have a, we do go to other nations, but Zambia right now is a real focus. Anybody else? I know somebody's
0: just itching to ask one. you don't wanna raise your hand. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, one up front there. I think we will do that. Let's, let's grab that other mic, I'm gonna give it to Ryan. I'll, I'll go. I'll take this one. You can go from there. Tell me your name again. Angie. Angie, Why are you so quiet? I know you're a fireball over here. You're, you're excited. Stirred up. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God for you. Um, so the Lord's laid on my heart, um, the YDC, um, young people who are incarcerated. OK. And so I'm going to be transitioning to Colorado um, at the end of the month. So my question is, is how young are, are people incarcerated? Is it adult penitentiary? And is there a direction for young people who are incarcerated? Because they
1: lock kids up as young as eight here in States. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So the prisons where we're working, um, they're 18 and older. Now, they do have, um, for young, probably 12, 12 to 18, that we have visited. And we actually have open doors into those younger ones. And one one thing interesting, and I've learned so much about the prison system in Zambia, And I just have, you know, the standard of living is nothing like a U.S. prison, but the the wardens, the officers running these places, they actually have a desire to change these men. They're not, not, they're not just trying to lock them up. And this is what they've told us. We've every one of these prisons, we sit down with the officers in charge and time after time, and these are not necessarily Christians, but they look at me and they say, we know that it is only the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ that is going to change these men. So they're starting from that, that perspective that everything else they do after that to reform them has to, it has to come through first and foremost through the gospel And so, they're actually seeing their percentage rate of men that come back into the prison system is very, very low. Because they're going after it from a scriptural standpoint. So yeah, we we have plans to actually go back. And one of the things they're doing is they have farms for these young people. So it's not like a prison, they actually have a, a, a farm where they actually live in community, they get an education. Most of these men, they might be 30, 40 years old, but they don't have an education. So. You know, I look at you, and I just see, I see there is, you're just soaking in everything you're hearing, and there, you're just a sponge, and I feel that God's just going to pour gasoline on that fire in your heart. You and, want to pray for her? Yeah, absolutely. Can I pray for you? A <laughs> Why don't you stand oh, up for yes. a sec? <laughs> <laughs> God, I, Angie. Angie yes. God, I pray for this sister here, God, and I just release and stir up the fire of God on the inside of her. I release those things to flow in Jesus' name. I see there is a boldness, God, but I thank you that there is, there is a grace and a wisdom upon your life. And so we just call those doors to open over you in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank yeah.
1: you.
0: Thank <laughs> uh, Angie. Is, is Angie? Is friends with um, uh, a- Andrea. Most of you guys know Andrea, who's out in Colorado. She was here a couple or last week, and and you're you're uh, you just graduated Karris Atlanta next weekend. Oh, next awesome. weekend, graduating awesome. Karris Atlanta second year, and then you're going out to Colorado for a third year. Do you know your focus yet? A global training. Global training. So that's the one that starts the schools, right? Um, start schools and missions, and then
1: also directs you if you have something on your heart. Mm. They will help groom you to how to birth it. And
0: yeah. Come
1: on, come on, yep. Yeah.
0: So, so you should stay in touch with him because there's probably some materials that you know can help you with. And, and I might just COVID. have to
1: recruit you to move on over to Zambia with us. Come on.
0: Was there was there another question? I think there was a hand here over here. What are, uh, what are some specific ways that we can pray for your ministry if we're not able to? come alongside you in person yeah. or but what are some appreciate that things
1: it's it's that um you no know, the, the prison system is a is a big one now it's it's government and so things can change so so quickly and so we've we've been thinking contingency because some of our connections within government they could get taken out the next I mean they could get removed from office very very quickly as well as that God would continue to open systems of the nation as well to preach the gospel. So just cover those relationships. Pray for, pray for our our, uh, our leadership in Zambia. Those guys carry so much. Uh, Pastor Paul Siccioni, our director there and his family. Uh, they're uh, just l- logical things like travel, protection as they travel, um, networking. We're gearing up to two, two large crusades in the month of June with leadership training. So. All the details involved with that, uh, the, the committees on the ground, the pastors, um, the finances, the, um, the venues, the locations. There's so many details that go into that. So uh, we appreciate the prayer. Pray for my family. You know, pray for God's, God's grace as we continue to, to travel, do what God's called us to do. How old are your kids? Gabriel is 18. And so he's, he's uh, uh, about a year behind, so he's going to graduate next year. And um, actually he's looking at going and doing a discipleship training school with YWAM and then joining, joining us in the ministry. So he's really into to media. And then Amelia is 11, and she's just about to finish sixth grade. Any other questions?
0: Over here. We, and we will move into a, a time of ministry also. So if you want to be prayed for and stir up that gift, we're going to uh, do that as well.
1: That was actually a great lead. <clears throat> excuse me, into the question I have. You talked about how being in ministry, the importance of keeping your family first, and that not sacrificing your yeah. family. And sadly, that's not the the common thing you see. And so, my question for you is, how have you kept your family at the forefront? Yeah. You know for one, I don't travel all the time <laughs> um, and I actually there's been times in our ministry where I have cut back just because it's not it's not worth it to sacrifice your family
0: I, I'll interrupt here uh, you know this one of the things I appreciate about him is he's got a job when he's home not out on the mission field even though he does a lot of training he does a lot of ministry when you're when you're in country but you have a job too you you our uh, laborer, you install egress window, egress doors, egress windows, and doors. egress windows. Yeah. yeah. Up in, I guess that's a thing in Kansas city. We don't really have that here much, but, but you know, when he's home, it's like Paul, he's got a tent making business. He's a lot of ways he's providing for his family because of his, of his job, he's got his own business and works. And you know, I, I just appreciate that. It's mm-hmm. worth people knowing that.
1: Yeah. Um, so as far as family, I've always tried to, it's not my ministry that my family comes behind. I mean, everyone, everyone is involved. My wife and I are partners. We actually preach together in our crusades. We tag team preach, and so we lead things together. So she travels with me um, at least once or twice a year, just the two of us back and forth to Africa. Every June, we take our whole family. And it's, it's a stretch. You know, Financially, it's something I actually have to save up for throughout the year, but I want our family, my kids, to actually grow up experiencing these things. So we've just chose to uh, you know, n- neglect other things that they could have for the sake of involving them in the ministry, bringing them to Africa every year. Um, so we incorporate them in ministry. And then when we traveled, when my son was really young and we were still working with Youth with the Mission, we'd travel seven to nine months of the year. And I would, my, my family would travel with me. They weren't in school yet, and so we would all travel together. And so we've just been real intentional about involving them. And then... I also, I listen to my wife where she doesn't run at the same pace I run. And so I've realized where I need to cut back for the sake of, of our relationship and our marriage. So I, I think, I mean, we, we could, I could talk a lot about that, but I've, by making mistakes early on in our ministry, I've definitely changed things in this past 10 years or so for the, for the better. Uh, Brooke, you had your hand
0: up too. Did you say, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a long shot, but so I went to Zambia on a mission trip in high school. Awesome. And do you happen to know Pastor Chapaya, Collins Chapaya, Church no. Eldoret?
1: What, what town?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I do not remember. Anyway, I was just going to say, because they have a pretty big church there, and I was okay. like wondering if there could be like partnership or connections there or connection something. you have connection with them? Mm-hmm. maybe reach out to them and
1: just see yeah yeah i'd be curious where where they're at
0: okay cool i didn't know i was like it's a long shot but maybe <laughs> hey it's worth, worth a try right yeah
1: it's, it's like hey have you been to mexico do you know Juan? <laughs> 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 yeah <It's a> hey <laughs> yeah.
0: go ahead is uh zambia is it like a high-risk country or are they cool with you guys
1: it is, it is considered more of a stable nation in, in uh, Africa. Um, it, it definitely, every time there's an election, things shake up a little bit and there's unrest, but compared to some of the others, it's relatively safe. And so one of, the, one of our strategies, and um, I've shared about this before, but we have a 10-year a goal at the moment to reach every community in Zambia, starting with the more remote ones. But we're developing a second secondary base in Zambia And one of the strategic things about Zambia is you can, if you're in the center of Zambia, you can be in about seven or eight different nations within three to eight hours. So it borders on Tanzania, Malawi, Mozambique, um, Zimb- Zimbabwe, Namibia, Botswana, the Congo, Angola. It borders on all these areas. And so it is a s- more of a stable nation. And our, our vision is to have a base of operations central that will reach into all these other nations with our trucks and our equipment and, and the gospel. Wow. So it's, it's a strategic area for sure. And I, I believe God's raising Zambia up to be kind of a a template of what it can look like when God changes a nation for the other nations in Africa. Amen. Amen. Praise God.
0: Maybe one more if anybody has one. Yeah. So you have a very successful ministry, it sounds like. And I think a lot of us in the room and online have hearts and maybe an intention set. And I thought that maybe you could talk to what that looks like of having a balance of leading and making steps and direction and balancing it with being open to what God has and just talk about the mix of sometimes he's leading you and opening doors and yeah. sometimes you're taking that next step and how it looks like in the beginning.
1: Hmm. That's a great question. Hmm. Um
0: So in other words, how do you know when it's God, kind of? I think it's the mix of don't wait on God, you know? How do I not just wait on the Lord
1: forever? How do I make conscious steps while still being open to, you know, His direction? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we do have a successful ministry, but we're not a big ministry. I mean, we're, we're very, very small, and we're able to, you know, funnel, funnel the funds that come through into the nation. So a big ministry is not necessarily a successful ministry, in my opinion. And I, I see a lot of these massive organizations that really aren't doing that much in the world. So we've got to remove that idea that just because you're big necessarily means that you're successful. Um, for me, successful means that you're completing what God's called you to do. And so when it comes to... Hang on, hang on. That's good.
0: (laughs) Success is when you are completing what God's called you to do or even active in it.
1: Yeah. That's huge. Maybe not fulfilling, but but you're taking steps in that direction. Uh, we, We started an orphanage in Zambia. That was one of our first projects in 2011. And we were just getting... L3 up and going, so financially we just weren't there. And, and you may have heard me share this story, but I came back from one of our first trips, sat down at the kitchen table, I was sharing with my kids, my daughter was really young, maybe two, Gabriel was seven, I was sharing about the needs of the kids, and we didn't have on our radar, at least at that time, to start an orphanage, um, but it was something in our hearts. And so I think you start with setting the intention in your heart. Because that's where it starts. It's not, not first on paper, it's first in your heart. And I remember as I'm sharing, as I'm sharing about the, the, the needs of the children in Zambia, that our seven-year-old got up, ran into the bedroom, grabbed his piggy bank, and brought it out and put it right in front of us on the table. And uh, he said, "Dad, these kids need an orphanage. Let's start one." And that was really the seed money. And I could have done two things. I could have said, well, Gabriel, you only have $84. We're going to need a lot more than that. Or I could have said, all right, God, clearly you are directing us in this way. How can we take some faith steps? And so you never start with what you got in your hand at the moment. You start with the vision God's put in your hearts, and then you take the next step. And so if, if, like, if God's told you, go on a mission trip, you know what the first step is? Get a passport whether you have anything else. And let me tell you, if you don't take that first step, you're really not committed. I, I have people come up to me and they say, you know, Nate, when my, you know, when, when my assets come in or where these in, when in, these investments go big, I'm going to give majorly into your ministry. And I always laugh to myself, not to them, because I think, you know, if you're not giving now, you're not going to give then. And that principle applies to anything. If God has given you a vision, you take what you got in your hand at the moment and you take a step. Another thing i found is, is to be, be fluid with what God's called you to do. So we have a vision to reach every community in Zambia and we have a, 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 a rough plan of how we're gonna do that, but I know that God's moving it in a different direction consistently. Like we wouldn't have started with the prison system no one to reach a nation thinks, all right, I'm going to start with the prisons. But that's the way God does it. So God's direction is, it's not, it's, I don't see it as a blueprint. I see it as, uh, as being more fluid based on our decisions, people's decisions. And as we're led by the spirit, it's almost that whole GPS thing that God is continuously recalculating us in that direction, even if we miss one off-ramp, there's there's another one, and it may take us in a different series of directions, but as we're yielded to the Holy Spirit and as we've set our intentions to go in a certain way, He'll lead us. Does that make sense?
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's about taking those steps. Amen, amen. You guys, come on up and play a little bit, if you would, as we move toward prayer. Um, you know, so if, if you... Are feeling that how many of you are feeling just stirred up a little bit encouraged you're feeling yeah you're ready to go get your passport whatever that step is for you and it's just so true it's just so true whatever that next step as small as that little step might be in your mind it's honestly i'll tell you the steps that you need to be taking are the ones that you think are insignificant because it's not about the step it's about your heart yeah it's about you like you said you're being committed you know, and so that tiny little step, if you're looking externally at that step, judging it as inconsequential, as if that's not really going to do anything, then it's all about the externals for you. It's not really something that's in your heart, and and I love that. It's got to start the vision, the passion starts in the heart, and being committed to that way of life, and then
1: the steps are just the necessary outgrowths of what you do. Yeah. Amen. And I love what you said when you read from the message that uh, it's, it's easy and light. Yeah. And that's what I told God when we, we started this thing. I said, you know, I'm not gonna kill myself and kill my family for the sake of ministry. I actually wanna enjoy it as, as we do it. And so that's, that's also an indicator of where your heart is at, is it, if it's killing you, then you're trying to do it in your own strength versus God's. Yeah, yeah. So let's just
0: stand up, put our heart on the Lord. <laughs> Nate, if you want to just kind of pray for us as a whole, and then I don't know if you want to, if anybody wants to come up and have him specifically pray, I'll just kind of
1: let you just take okay. it from here and, and minister. Okay, you know, I want to I want to read a passage of scripture that I was thinking about during, during worship. No, you guys are so fortunate that you you go to a church that preaches the unconditional love of God, and you're also part of a church that teaches your completeness in Christ. And so, you know, I, I carry upon my life a, you know, we all have the anointing, but there's a grace to stir people up in the area of fulfilling their dreams, fulfilling their vision, and also uh, sharing Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. And so I, I believe that you can be stirred up with those same giftings today. Amen. And when you put a draw on what God, God is doing and God carries. It's not like you're getting my anointing, but you can, you can actually receive a stirring up, a stirring up of what God has put on the inside of you. Now, I remember I, I spent some time years ago with Reinhard Bonnke and just a great man of God. And, uh, and just by being around him, I caught some of that same faith and tenacity. It wasn't like I got his anointing, now we've got the anointing of Jesus and then you have your individual grace upon your life whether you call it anointing or not but we can stir things up. And so my prayer today is that you would be stirred up. Now your gifting's different than mine but God wants to use you. He wants to use you in your sphere of influence. He wants to fulfill the dreams that God has he's put in your heart. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 and I'm going to read this in the amplified. You got to remember, Timothy was a young guy who struggled with self-worth issues and intimidation. If you read through first and Second Timothy, he was a young guy, and Paul was constantly telling him, "Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. You know, don't draw back. be bold. Do the work of an evangelist." And this is what he said. He said, "I want to remind you, Timothy, stir up. Rekindle the embers, fan into flame. The gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you because of the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardness or cringing, fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and listen to this one, of calm and a well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Therefore, do not blush or be ashamed then to testify about our Lord. Isn't that good? Now, I've found that there's probably three main things that hold us back from stepping out in faith and what God's called us to do. Number one thing is that we just don't feel qualified. We don't feel qualified for God to use us. We think the other person is more qualified. Number two... Fear. Fear of man. Fear of God. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure will keep you back from doing what God's called you to do. And the last thing is condemnation and shame will hold us back. And you know, if you're allowing yourself to be held back in any area of your lives, I want to pray for you today. I pray for you guys. Now, presence of God is here. Let's just connect to him. And this is a church that knows how to connect to God in your heart. Now, I want you just to ask God, what are those areas, whether it's guilt and shame, whether it's fear, condemnation, maybe it's passivity. You've settled in to be passive in sharing the gospel, ministering to people, pursuing your vision. Just allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint those areas of limitation Where you're not fulfilling what God has called you to do. Holy Spirit will show you. And now, in your own heart, what I want you to do is just begin to release those things, to send them away. If you have given in to fear, you just send fear away from you right now in Jesus' name. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Send fear away if you've given in to the lie that says you're not qualified for God to use you, you just send away that lie because that's what it is. It goes against Colossians 1 verse 12, which says you have been qualified to participate in an inheritance. Send that away. Guilt, shame, condemnation from the past. Send it away. Father God, I pray right now for men and women, young people in this place, God, and I speak a stirring up of the gifts of God on the inside of them in Jesus' name. We just speak those gifts are being activated to flow in Jesus' name, healing the sick, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith. I call these gifts that are on the inside of you to flow right now in Jesus' powerful name. I break off fear off of your life in the name of Jesus. That cloak of condemnation, there's someone here that has struggled with self-condemnation as long as you can remember. And God is removing that, and he's saying there is no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. I thank you for right now, Father God, that condemnation is being released from their lives. Thank you, Father God. And I thank you, God, for... A renewed sense of purpose, a renewed sense of vision, God. And there's some of you guys that God has given you thoughts and ideas in seed form, but right now they're being germinated and they're coming back to life. There's someone here that you've let the vision fall. And you've said, maybe later, maybe when I'm retired, maybe when this happens, maybe when that happens, and God's saying, pick it up. Pick up the vision. Pick up the vision. In your heart, pick it up and trust that I'm going to begin to open things for you, open doors, make connections. Thank you, Father God, right now. Lord, I thank you. There's several of you that are just right now seeing visions in your, in, your, in your mind, in your heart. You're seeing things. You're being given ideas, even business ideas. Thank you, God. Thank you for breathing on those. Kurama masakara. Just receive. I believe God is working in your hearts. He's speaking things to you. Just receive. I believe there's several people that need to be healed here this morning. And you can raise your hand if you want. You don't have to, though. But what two things I just sensed. One is stomach ulcers. There's someone here. You've got ulcers, and God wants you to heal. He wants you healed right now. He's provided. Healing is in you. So if that's you, if you want, you can raise your hand, and folks around you can pray. I don't want to embarrass. I don't want to put anyone on the spot. But if that's you, just just put your hand up if you would like some prayer. I want to pray for you. I also felt that there was someone here with, uh, with fibroids, and God wants those dissolved from your body right now. Lord, we just... Thank you in the name of Jesus. We release healing that is here in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you bore our sickness and disease, that by your wounds we have been healed. So I speak to those fibroids, I speak to those ulcers, and I command them to go in the name of Jesus. Now, if you need healing in any area of your body, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just put your hand where you need God to heal you. Here's the thing. God said, or the Bible says, lay hands on the sick. He didn't say it has to be the minister's hands. <laughs> so you just receive right now. If you need a miracle in your body, you know, we've, we, we see he, people heal not only in Africa, but here in America all the time because the word of God is true. There is no limitation, whether it's your back, whether it's your knees, whether it's your legs, whether it's your throat. There's someone with swollen legs. God wants to release the pressure there right now. There's someone with a... Uh, Papitation in your heart God is healing that right now There's someone here with uh, discs in your back That are out of place God's healing you Lord I just thank you right now That your healing power is here And so we speak to these bodies We command every infirmity Every sickness to go in Jesus name Lord I thank you right now That the healing that is in them Is manifesting them It's manifesting in them God In the name of Jesus We command the pain to go right now And we would just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that by your wounds, we thank you, Lord, that you have done it. We thank you, Lord, that we are not the sick looking for healing, but we are the heals. We thank you, Father God, that we're not seeking a victory, Lord, that you have provided our victory. We thank you, God, that every good thing in Christ Jesus is on the inside of us, and it is manifesting right now. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for freedom in this place. We thank you for financial miracles, for breakthrough in this place. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Give Jesus a big round of applause, guys. Amen. Now, was there anyone here this morning that specifically felt something happen in the area of healing when when we were praying? Anyone that specifically felt a difference, would you just raise your hand? Something happened. You know you were healed. You know the pain left. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What happened?
0: I I, I hit my hip. I I hardly walk. Okay. This past week, I had to test it out.
1: Sorry. And you're doing good? (laughs) Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Come on. This sister's jumping. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah. Man, I love those earrings of yours. I think those would work on me. <laughs> awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anyone else? You know that something happened in your body and you've been healed. Just put your hands up. One thing that happens when we share what God's done in us is it boosts the faith of other people that he can do it in them. You, sir, what happened? I just felt the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Yeah. Did you? I
0: just felt warmth in stomach. Okay.
1: Come on. Brother felt a warmth in his stomach. His wife laid hands on him. And that's you know, we don't, God doesn't do it always the same way, but oftentimes there's a warmth, there's something that takes place physically that we feel, and that's a symbol that that God's working a healing. Amen. And, you know, God's will and desire is always yes and amen when it comes to healing. Your miracle can manifest in so many different ways, but it's already yours and it's already provided. You could go home today and suddenly realize, hey, you know, that pain's gone. One of our overseas campaigns, I got a call a month and a half after we were there saying, do you remember those those deaf mute boys that you prayed for? He said, they weren't healed when you prayed for them, but I just came back from that place and they're both speaking and hearing. There's no limitation with God. Amen? God is good. You know, I hope what you got out of today is that you can do it. Now, more than anything, what I hope that you take home is that all things are possible for you because you're a believer. Not, hey, look at Nate, look at the great ministry he's doing, but I can do that stuff. I can heal the sick. I can preach the gospel. I can pursue my dreams. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.